Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Doing okay? All right. Awesome. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 131. So chapter 131, or like some of my old middle school buddies used to say, Psalm, somewhere in there. Psalm 131, and we'll, uh, we'll be there in just a few moments. I hope you all have enjoyed worship, and I'm ready to dig into God's Word. And um, whether you come here all the time or you're not sure what's going on, man, we're glad you're here, and we believe that God has something for you this morning. Psalm 131. I'm going to pray for us, and then um, we'll get started. God, thank you again just for the opportunity to, to be with your people and to, to worship, Lord. And I pray that believers would be encouraged this morning, God. And I pray that um, for people that don't know you or maybe have kind of wandered off, that they would feel like they can come home this morning, Lord, whether that's to begin a relationship with you because of what you've done through the cross and the empty grave or whether that's just to, to come back and, and kind of refocus on our relationship with you, God. I pray that would happen and um, that you would speak to us, Lord, through your word. And if you would, with your, your head bowed and your eyes still closed, just take a moment to ask God um, to speak to you. Maybe ask him to kind of take away some of the distractions that could be swirling around in your mind this morning that he could, you could just uh, focus on him. God, we love you. We're grateful for your word and just trust that you'll speak to us. It's in your name we pray, amen. For some people, it is um, binging on some a Netflix series. For some people, it's eating an entire box of hot Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, for some people, it's going on a run. For some people, it's cleaning ferociously. Uh, for some people, maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe it's getting in the car and driving around and listening to some music. For some people, this is kind of me, but I feel like this is coming to an end now that we have kids. For some people, maybe it's like going out and doing yard work. Everybody has their coping mechanism, Right? Right? We all have our things that we kind of lean on to cope with difficult situations. Um, some, some of the coping mechanisms are a little bit more helpful and healthy, and others are more destructive and depressing, right? We all have our coping mechanisms that we use in life. Now here at Southcrest, we, I say this a lot in the venue, and since the venue crowd's in here, we're going to kind of take over this morning. No, I'm kidding. Um, but we always say that we really do believe that life is better when we're together. And so what I want to do this morning to kind of get things going is right where you're at, if you need to move to get close to someone else, that's fine. Um, but what I want you to do is I want you to discuss with whoever's around you, what are some of your coping habits? So I'm not asking you to share your deepest, darkest secret, right? But maybe just to share, hey, you can laugh a little bit. Hey, here's some of the, the ways that I cope with the difficulty in my life sometimes. Again, it could be a plethora of things. Have a little fun with it. I'll give you a minute or two to discuss. Go ahead and do that right now. Don't be shy.
All right, good so far. I appreciate you uh, sharing with each other. So uh, let me ask you now, uh, keep in mind, I worked with, I work with young folks, students a lot, and so I'm used to banter. So I, I want you, you can, you can respond here. Um, when, we're, when we're coping with something, when we're trying to cope, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do? Feel better. Feel better. Yes. Thank you, Katie. What else? Keep your mind occupied. Forget. Yeah, you kind of push it aside so that you can just, to like, maybe on a very base level, just be okay, right? Like whatever tough season I'm going through, I want to make it through that. So I'm going to push through that and just kind of push it aside, right? I want to cope with it. Um, I found that coping is, we typically like want to cope when we're going through a difficult season. Maybe it's something related to um, work. Maybe it's something related to a family issue. Maybe it's a, a relationship problem. Maybe it's uh, school probs. August is coming, students. Um, uh, we all have these problems, issues. Maybe, maybe it's just like a health issue, a personal issue. We all face those seasons of, of difficulty which make us want to cope. But I actually think it's a little bit more involved, a little more tricky than that. Um, I grew up in Florida, and my wife and I did, and we have hurricanes. If you live in Florida, it's just kind of hurricane alley, period. And I don't know if you know this, but hurricanes can kind of, this is maybe not the best way to say this, but they can spin off tornadoes. So it, it, hurricanes are terrifying enough in and of themselves, um, but then they can also spin off tornadoes. And I think that life is kind of like that. So we go through difficult seasons, fill in the blank of whatever difficult season it is. Um, and then as we get, so that's kind of like the hurricane. And as we go through that difficult season, they tend to spin off difficult, um, or excuse me, they tend to spin off like tornadoes of questions in our lives. Meaning we go through a difficult season and then it produces these questions maybe for God or about God in our lives. Y'all with me? Now we can, uh, I'm very guilty of this. I'm not like, uh, I say this in love. Um, I really do, Don Hayes. <laughs> but we, uh, in church, we can tend to come and, I was reading a book yesterday and it said that we come on Sunday mornings and it's like we get all hyped up on donuts and coffee and act like the world is perfect, right? Um, we can act like everything's fine, but in reality, like Christians have questions too. Um, maybe some of you are here this morning and you've kind of, maybe you've, this is your first time back in a while. You've just kind of started coming back because you've been turned off by how Christians, we tend to always act like we have it all together. But that's not reality. We have questions. We, have, we go through seasons that produce some overwhelming questions in our lives. For example, maybe uh, the, the, grand, the parent or the grandparent who raised their child, their grandchild, in the ways of the Lord, wanted them to know Jesus, to walk with him. But then the kid grew up and really wants nothing to do with God or the church. And the grandparent or the parent is going, what in the world, God? Like, I thought I did it your way. What's going on? Or, you know, all of us, um, I, I, maybe it's a too broad statement, but for the most part, all of us, realize that we're going to face death, that everyone we know, apart from Jesus coming back soon, um, all of us are going to face death. But regardless, when death comes, don't we always ask, about, like, why now? Right? Even if you know it's coming, there's still this question of like, well, what, God, why did you have to take them like, at that exact moment? Or why did they have to go in that particular manner? Um, sometimes life just doesn't make sense, right? Where you're going, God, like, 
Maybe it's not even a tragedy, but you're going, God, I don't understand what you're doing here. Like, what is, what is the purpose with this? Like, why are you allowing this pain? Why am I having this difficulty? Or why can I not overcome this issue, whatever it is? Sometimes life just doesn't make sense. God, why'd you do it that way? I was talking with one of our um, college students who's a real strong leader, great girl. And she was uh, telling me one time, she said, Brandon, I, I gotta be honest. I feel like I'm doing my best to pursue Jesus, to love him, to walk with him, to live for him. And she said, to be honest with you, I feel like when I look at my life, it's just kind of lame. <laughs> like my life is, is, it's not really going my way. And then she said, what's confusing about it, as I look at other people in college who are doing whatever they want, not following Jesus, and it feels like everything is going their way. She said, I feel like that's like, I have some questions for God. <laughs> And I would say that's not just a college problem. All of us have probably had that question at one point or another, right? Maybe it's a question of, of, of insecurity. Of, God, why am I still dealing with this? Or God, why, why am I this way? Why did you make me this way? Maybe it's a question of, God, we know you're calling us to do something, but we don't have a clue how you're gonna do it, <laughs> right? Like, here's where we are. Here's A, here's B. I don't know what the road is. Like, how are you going to pave, how are you going to pave the road? For maybe, similarly, maybe it's a future question of, God, like, I thought you had this out here for me, or this is where you were leading me. And I feel like you've pulled the rug out from underneath me. Like, I don't know where we're going. Like, uh, my GPS is telling me something different, right? Siri, are you there, right? Like, all of us face questions like that. When we do, I think we're either prone to, like, to, to walk away from God or um, to end up actually like, drowning in the questions and in the, um, the difficulty because it overwhelms us, or, or we tend to cope with something. And sometimes, I think often, too often, we try to cope with the wrong things, using the wrong things. Now, coping is not bad. It's just how we go about it, Right? Question for you, talking about questions. Did people in the Bible ever have questions like we're talking about? Absolutely they did. Sometimes it's kind of funny. You don't have to turn there, but in Numbers chapter 11, um, Moses, the man who uh, got tasked with bringing the Israelites out of Egypt, he, he's with the people um, out in the desert and the people are upset about their food situation. They're saying, man, and they're sitting around the campfire saying, you know, when we were in Egypt, at least we had, uh, I think if I remember right, they talk about, we had cucumbers, which that's kind of a funny thing to miss, right? But well, I like cucumbers, but that would be my first uh, thing I missed. But um, their moms would be proud. Anyways, all right. So uh, we used to have cucumbers. We used to have melons. We used to have meat. And now all we got is this manna stuff. So they're sitting around crying. And literally it says that they were, they were literally weeping. So then Moses, it says that he gets angry. And I'm, this is kind of paraphrased, but I'm pretty accurate to what he actually says. You can read it in Numbers 11 lady, later, not lady. But he says, men, you can read it too. Um, he, says, he says, God, why are you treating me this way? And then he, it's funny, he asked God a question. He says, uh, did I give birth to all these people? No. He says, God, why are you, this is where I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He says, why are you making me act like a mom to all these people who are acting like little babies? And then a little more seriously, he says, God, if you're going to keep treating me this way, just go ahead and kill me. <laughs> a little dramatic. <laughs> a 
But we've all felt that way, probably. Maybe not to that extent. Maybe something like that. What about on the cross? Jesus had a question. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the pain, the difficulty he would face. But in the midst of that trial, that, this is putting it way too lightly, but in the midst of that difficult season, he had a question. Do you remember what he cried out from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? King David in the Psalms, over and over again in the Psalms, we see David wrestling with things, going through difficult seasons and then wrestling with questions. Why God? How God? What God? When God? Asking all these questions. I think that's one of the reasons that people, even unbelievers, enjoy reading the Psalms is because they're so real. <laughs> and we, we face those same questions. This morning, I think we can learn from King David how to cope, how to deal with the overwhelming questions of life. Join with me in Psalm 131. He says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. So he begins by saying, here's what I'm not going to do. I am not going to be prideful. I am not going to try to set my heart and my eyes on things that I'm not meant to understand or to see yet. <laughs> see, you could say in a similar way, when you're prideful in your relationship with God and think you can understand everything, you begin to order and kind of boss God around. God, tell me what you're doing here. What's going on here? How prideful is that? Say, God, if you could just step down and show me what you're doing here, that's, that's prideful. He says, I'm not going to raise my heart. I'm not going to raise my eyes on, on things too high for me that I'm not going to be able to understand yet. He says, I'm not going to act like I'm more capable than I actually am to, to understand things. I'm not going to set my heart on those things. I'm not going to live in pride. I love the, the second part of that, of verse 1. He says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. This idea of I'm not going to be consumed by the questions that I'm facing, the things that man, I just would love to try to figure out and I, just, I can't see what's going on. I'm not going to concern myself with those things. I'm not going to let it occupy my mind. I'm not going to be consumed by it. You know, you can be literally like, not literally, sorry. You can be paralyzed by questions sometimes, Right? And when life doesn't make sense, you're going through hard times, it can almost make you stop in your tracks. David says, I'm not going to occupy myself with those things. I'm not going to be consumed by it. Things that are too great and too marvelous for me. What this is, this is David recognizing who God is and who he is. How much bigger and greater and grander God is and how small and finite he is. Let me, let me pause for a moment. This, I think, is really important. What I'm not telling you to do, and what the psalm is certainly not telling you to do, it's not telling us to just turn off our brains when you're a Christian. 
It's not saying, well, any questions you have, don't think about it, don't worry about it, just, just trust and move on. No, that's not what it's saying. This is not about dumbing down what we face and what we believe. See, God is not afraid of your questions. <laughs> it's okay to ask questions. Like it's, it's not wrong to wrestle with, does God really exist? And Because I, I really 100% believe if you actually study and dig, does God exist, you'll find that he exists. It's not wrong to, to struggle with, man, can I trust God's word? I, I'm not, a, when students come to me or anybody and they're struggling with that, that doesn't scare me because I believe you can study and find that God's word is reliable. Absolutely it is. It, it's not wrong to, to, to ask the question, right, how can God be good if evil exists? God is not afraid of that question. So this is not about not asking questions. It's more so about recognizing who I am. <laughs> who God is and who I am and realize I'm not gonna be able to understand everything. So he says, I'm not gonna be prideful. I'm not gonna be consumed and wrapped up in all these questions and trying to figure life out. I'm not gonna act as if I can have everything figured out and have life by the tail. Yep, I've, I have everything figured out. My life is perfect. I have this whole perfect system of how God works and how life works. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not gonna occupy myself with things too great for me because I, I know I'm not gonna be able to understand it all. So what does David do? I love this. Verse two. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Man, I love what he says in verse two. I have calmed and quieted my soul. It's, you can almost see him intentionally kind of pushing down the questions, not, not denying them, not ignoring that he has some questions for God and about God and about life, but saying, I'm not gonna let them consume me. I'm not gonna let these questions of how, when, where, what, who, I'm not gonna let these questions paralyze me. I'm gonna push them down. And what am I gonna do? I'm gonna calm and quiet my soul before the Lord. What does that mean? It means to preach to yourself and to remember who you are and whose you are. I'm not gonna let world, the world cave in on me. No, I'm gonna stand firm remembering who I am. I'm gonna calm and quiet my soul. How do you do that? I think you do it by like what you're doing this morning, coming and worshiping and being encouraged from each other by singing gospel truths, by studying God's word, remembering who you are and whose you are. It says, not going to let these things consume me. I'm going to calm and quiet my soul. Now, I think the key to this passage, this really brief, short passage, I think the key to it, to understanding it, is in the metaphor, metaphor that is used. A little illustration he has in here. He says, it's like... I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. So being, being a new dad, uh, starting to figure out what a little bit of this stuff means. <laughs> Maybe not all, not all of it. Um, and so an unweaned child wants to be with mom for some food, right? And maybe for other reasons, but maybe primarily food. A weaned child is a child that has grown accustomed to food other than its mother's milk. So it wants to be with mom, not just because it may get some food, but also why? Love. It just wants to be with mom. It just enjoys the parent's presence, right? It, 
loves and trusts its mom. I think that's, that's the key to kind of nugget to this passage. How can we cope with life's overwhelming questions? How can we de- uh, deal with and face life's overwhelming questions? By throwing ourselves into the loving arms of God and resting in his presence. Not just to get something from him, I need an answer, but just to be with him because his presence is enough. My, my uh, good friend and mentor, Dr. Kent Edwards, he says, this is not about um, performance. This is not about doing something. This is about posture. A posture of the mind and heart that says, and this is key, God, <laughs> I do not understand you, but I trust you. I trust you. Now for these last few minutes, I'm gonna have a little helper um, I believe, yep. I realize this is kind of cheating, uh, but I'm going to have a little helper if y'all don't mind. <laughs> this is Carolina Tate. Last time she ate the microphone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Last time she ate the microphone. Thanks, boo. All right. This is Carolina Tate. She is five months old. Her brother is in uh, the nursery right now, not because I love her more, but just because I needed to use her. So <laughs> I've been accused of that already at the eight o'clock service. <laughs> um, so let me say this before I start this story. What am I about to tell you? Um, a couple of things. First of all, man, family's doing great. Both our kiddos, five, a little over five months old, super healthy, happy, drooling, starting to teeth maybe. Um, lots of bubbles up here. Um, mom's doing great. So let me say that. And let me also say that what I'm about to share with you, I, I realize a lot of people face way more difficult things. And so this is not a woe was me. This is just to kind of teach you what, or share with you what God taught me and how he taught me something. Um, so when our kiddos were born, um, super exciting, right? We were so, so pumped, such an incredible moment. Um, but pretty quickly, we had some complications. Um, again, looking back, maybe not the end of the world, but at the time, it seemed, it seemed pretty serious. So our boy Haddon, um, he had a little trouble uh, breathing at first, and so he had to go to the NICU for a few days. I was told, the nurses told me he just had uh, wimpy white boy syndrome, which I do not appreciate, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not cool. <laughs> um, but uh, in all seriousness, like, even though they kept saying, and man, the staff, let me just be honest, and the staff was incredible there. Um, we have some incredible hospitals and um, staff in, in the Lubbock area. But uh, still seeing your boy, your like newborn boy with an IV and like tubes and stuff is not fun, right? I remember, I'm not, I'm not a very emotional person, but every time I would walk from the room that Lauren and I and Carolina Tate were in, and every time I would walk to where Haddon was in the NICU, every time I'd start crying. And then because I'm not emotional, I would cry because I was crying. I was like, what is wrong with me? Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was not fun. It was, it was, it was tough. Um, this little girl, she, she weighed uh, four pounds, eight ounces when she was born, but like all, I guess most babies kind of lost some of that. And so, um, though again, it wasn't a huge issue, but for, for Lauren and I as brand new parents, we were kind of overwhelmed and stressed just with like making sure she's getting enough food and like is her body temperature right? And just, just kind of nervous about that um, word because she was just so tiny. Man, she was so tiny. I mean, she's still little, but she was so little then. Um, and probably the, the biggest thing, and I think Pastor David had actually, uh, asked y'all to pray one Sunday morning because um, I was kind of at my wit's end. But uh, 
The biggest thing was, was Lauren. Lauren, my wife Lauren, is incredibly healthy and um, almost never sick. Uh, but when she had the babies, actually they came early because she was having some complications. And she, uh, she had what they call HELP syndrome. This was new to me. Uh, some of you all may have heard of that or actually had it before. But um, it was, if I remember, high blood pressure, edema. Um, her liver was all out of whack. And her platelets were really, really low. Um, so she, not only was she not feeling good, the doctors and nurses were kind of occasionally pulling me aside and saying, hey, this is not good. Like, this, is, this is serious. Um, so man, I'm, I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky guy, pretty level, but I was a wreck. <laughs> I was not doing good because everybody around me, my family was not doing well. Um, I remember, I guess it was about two days after they were born, Haddon was still in the NICU, uh, Lauren was getting rest, which she needed, and I was holding this little girl, her little four-pound self at the time, and uh, the light was off because Lauren was resting. I was in the room, and I was having it out with God. God, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> Where are you at right now? Like, what, what's going on? And I felt like ever so gently and lovingly, God directed my eyes down towards her as she was kind of leaning into me like she is now and said, I need you to be like her. And what is that? Just to trust me. I don't expect you to understand all this. She doesn't understand all this. You wouldn't expect her to understand all this. I don't expect you to understand it all, but I need you to lean in and trust me. Man, that was the game changer for me. Not that all the problems were fixed right away, but when all of a sudden when I leaned into God's presence and just quit trying to figure it all out and just trusted him, man, you know what? Then I was able to do what verse three says. I wasn't just, I didn't just try to cope. I actually had hope, right? Because I knew that my father was good and his arms were capable of holding me up. God, I don't understand you, but I trust you. And when you lean into God and rest in his arms, you will find that he is good and capable. And no matter what season you're going through or what questions you're facing, I promise he is faithful and he is good and he, his presence is enough. He is a good dad. <laughs> and when you lean into him and say, God, I don't understand you, but I trust you, then you're able to sing and to say, it is well with my soul. No matter what comes, no matter what happens, it is well with my soul. We're going to, in a few moments, have a response time. And I don't like to think of it as just an invitation. I think it's a response as well of this morning. I think um, <laughs> so many of us probably have some tornadoes swirling around in our hearts and our minds of questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how? And maybe this morning, as we sing here in a moment, you just need to say, God, I don't understand you, but I trust you. I'm going to lay this at your feet. I know, like we were saying earlier, I know that I'm not alone. And just lean into God and rest in his presence. Maybe there's someone you know going through a difficult time wrestling with some questions. Maybe you need to pray for them. You know, the reality is um, a lot of us this morning, she got the hiccups. <laughs> I was like, what is going on in her belly? She got the hiccups. Um, a lot of us this morning, 
you may have a hard time seeing God as a good father, like and the idea of resting in his arms doesn't make sense to you. And here's the reality. God's, you're not gonna be able to see him as a good father until you understand the gospel. And you, when you realize what God did on the cross, that he sent his son to die for you, then you can start to see God as a good father, the extent that he went to to save you, to show his love to you. When you understand that you are far more wicked and evil than you've ever dared believe, but in Christ can be far more loved and accepted than you ever dared hope, man, that's when you can, excuse me, can begin to see God as a good father. So maybe this morning you need to, for the first time, say, Jesus, I wanna trust in you. I wanna turn from my sin and turn to you. Whatever the response may be, um, this is a great opportunity to say, God, no matter what comes my way, no matter if I understand or don't understand, help me to lean in and to trust you. And as we say, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna stand and sing, and there are gonna be some pastors down front. Maybe you wanna come and just pray with one of them. Say, hey, I'm in a really difficult season. I have a lot of questions. Could you help me carry this a little bit by just like hearing me out or, or praying with me? They would love to do that. At the very least, as we're singing, we're gonna sing it as well. I wanna encourage you as we sing this song, not, not just to stay in there, but to sing with us and ask God to teach you to trust him. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll do that. We'll respond. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information to make a commitment or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.